we wanted to do something like this a little bit different um mainly because we could just kind of see the trajectory that things were going i just had this feeling it'd be nice to you know every so often do something a little bit different and uh try and see each other's faces because uh, i guess we're all missing each other aren't we um, you know, and it's not, it was nice to pop in on Sunday mornings and have a coffee and see the kids running around and see each other. And, uh, it's been a long time now, um, and it's hard. Um, and the latest news isn't easy for people, and there'll be all sorts of different impacts on people from their mental health to some people now thinking, you know, I've got to stop work, they're self-employed, um, with no backup and all sorts of stuff. Um, so from my perspective, you know, we, we got to see each other at the, the Q&A, but I just, I just want to say a big, you know, thank you to everyone and well done for holding in there with us. Uh, I think you're all doing great, actually. You know, I've, I've got mates leading churches that have just gone into utter meltdown on each other, and I think it's testimony to the, the work of grace that God's doing in all your lives in our church that we haven't. We still come on the screen and, and still supporting each other and cheering each other on and praying for one another and our groups are strong. You know, of course, as in any family, there are always going to be moments of tension and weirdness. But by 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 and large, I think we've all done really well, and I think we're we're we'll face this next season uh, with all the strength and peace and grace that God gives us, won't we? So just just thank you everyone for making it as you know easy on me as the leader actually as it could be and on, on Josh and the rest of the team we are super grateful and we're going to keep looking at what we do to support people and keep you you know in the peace of God as we move into the next season um, I'm delighted to hear the bells going off in the background as more people embrace the tradition of the soft start I think that's just a great comfort to us too <laughs> uh, but I just just want to say thank you really and I honestly mean that I think you've, you've all done great um, we're going to do what we can to hold the church together and keep growing. And what a beautiful thing, isn't it, that we've actually seen people come to Christ during this time. Absolutely amazing. And not just come to Christ, but the people we've seen come to Christ are properly reaching out and excited about their faith, which is which is just incredible, really. So what, what a great joy that is. And, and it's just evidence to me that, that God continues to smile on our church. Uh, we've got a just by way of update we've got a little group of people meeting on Monday what we can do uh, with the homeless and poor over Christmas as I promised we would uh, at the Q&A and uh, that meeting has been pulled together and we've got new people in the church getting involved in that as well so that's, that's just fantastic we're going to see what we can do to help the most vulnerable because a lot of people are going to be really struggling aren't they as we hit into a really hard winter and one of the things I think we can do is really thank God for the blessings that we have. Everyone in this meeting right now has potentially a warm room, an internet connection, uh, food in the cupboard. And God, God's been kind to us, isn't he? You know, I think what this does is make you appreciate just the, the simple things that we have, really. But there'll be those this Christmas and winter for whom it's going to be really, really tough. But on, on top of that, we're going to do what we can to be a... a a proper church family together so expect more socials online of course and all kinds of stuff we have heard the official advice on church meetings and they are basically out for at least the next month uh, they're, they're not allowing it because of the potential for the virus to spread in those contexts but we'll just keep reviewing our plans 
Uh, so that's that. Um, just a big, like I say, thank you from me, really, on behalf of the leadership team for being faithful, beautiful people of God. Um, we're doing this series called P for Pandemic, um, but not actually preaching about the pandemic. And today's subject was P for Pioneer. Uh, which is an interesting one to be thinking about pioneering just as we told we, you're under house arrest again <laughs> so, that was a good time wasn't it um but it, there are some interesting things to reflect on i mean in the bible uh in in hebrews particularly in two separate places jesus according to what version you use uh jesus is called a, a pioneer uh in hebrews 2 10 he's called the source of pioneer of our faith and in hebrews 12 as well um, says this um, therefore since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us let us run with endurance the race that lies before us it does feel like an endurance race at the moment doesn't it it really does let us run uh, with endurance the race that lies before us keep not eyes on Jesus the source and perfecter of our faith or that word source could be considered to be pioneer. And what pioneers do and what Jesus did was go ahead and make the way safe. And that's what Jesus has done for us, isn't it? Gone ahead. He took the hit, went to the cross and he's made the way safe. And actually, just as a little side thought as I sit here, if there's one thing... It should help Christians keep looking upwards and keep a certain level of joy, even though we all have bad days in this particular season, is the fact that we do know what the end game is. We, we, we do know we have a destiny. I, I was thinking the other night, just sort of lying back in bed, thinking, you know, I, I am so grateful that I know Jesus, but, but I know where I'm going. I, I, you know, this may be a bit of a faff and it's hard and some people I know are going to really suffer. But if you are in Christ, you do know where you're going and you do know the end story. We have the ability to read the last page over and over and over again and we know it's true. And we know that Jesus died and rose again and made a way. No matter what happens, I think that's why Christians can have inner joy. I don't mean shallow joy, like we walk around with weird grins on our faces. Because certainly during the last lockdown, there were a couple of days where I was, I was properly feeling fed up. But what pulls me through is I know that I've, I know my destiny and I know where I'm going. So Jesus is the ultimate pioneer. He went ahead and he made a way. But we need to look at you know, what, how that actually works out, not in our lives following Christ, but how we handle people who are pioneers in our society and in our church, but also how we can keep our sense of pioneering as a church. Because I'll put this out there right at the start. If any church or any mission loses its sense of pioneering, do you know what happens? Dies. It dies fairly quickly. Within that, I know that we are not all pioneers. In fact, pioneers are quite rare. Um, the church is made up of all different sorts of people. 
And we know this, don't we? When we look at uh, Corinthians and we look at diversity in the body, I'm not going to read all of this out because of time, um, but this is, this is classic verses. Now, some of you here are new to Christianity and new to your Bible. So bear with me, those of you that have read this passage 1,752,000 times. This is the passage in 1 Corinthians about the body. The body, it says in Corinthians 12, uh, 14, is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any lesser part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any lesser part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And so it goes on if you read that passage. And then it says at the end, at verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in other tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you an even better way. You can have a look at that later. It's in a book called Corinthians in chapter 12. Now, the question is, as ever when we look at the Bible, why is that there? Why? Why did they feel the need, the Holy Spirit, to put those words down on paper for us to look at for hundreds of years? Because not only is it true that the body is made up of lots of individual parts, but I suspect that there is a very big potential for us all to really annoy each other if we don't understand how each other works. Now, I know annoying each other is not a feature of our life in Redeemer King Church, but there is a huge potential for us to really get on each other's wick. So let me explain what I've seen as a church leader over the last 25 or so years. I describe my job as a church leader as building a wall out of bananas. Building a wall out of anything is very, very difficult. Building a wall with bananas is not impossible. They're different sizes, different shapes, different textures, and trying to build a solid wall out of bananas is tough. It's exactly the same in a church. As I look at the diversity of range of people staring back at me, it's just like preaching to a congregation. On the screen, I can see people with different passions. I'm looking at people like Karen, passionate about kids' work, and Brian, and, and the Wellers who have recently joined our church, where Al has an extreme capacity to know all things technical and loses me on the first word. Uh, Janet, with her passion for worship, people who give through administration, Peter with a passion for the word of God, people who are good at caring, uh, Rich, Rich Kirk, treasure, amazing at money, Jim, Jim McGlade, years of experience of pastoring and leading churches, uh, great to see Dan and Sarah, uh, Dan with worship, and the powers and so on. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. And we've got medics in the room, technical people, craftsmen, and everyone's got a different passion. And the job of a leader is to try and build a church together out of those different gifts and skills. Some people love taking risks. Other people can't stand it. Now you try trying to lead all of that stuff together and build it into a family. It's a little bit tricky. And I liken it like this. 
if we could break it into biblical um, giftings and callings, what I've noticed over the years is this. The evangelists amongst us say things like, all we've got to do, literally, all we've got to do is get out on the street and tell people about Jesus. That's all we've got to do. Just get, get people saved because Jesus is going to come back. And if we don't do that, what's the point? Then the prayer person saying, oh, for goodness sake, you've got to pray first. We need to intercede. If we don't pray, nothing will happen. Then the worship person says, well, it's all very, actually, worship's our highest calling. You've got to worship. If you don't worship, what's the point in praying and telling people about Jesus? Because there won't be an open heaven. Then the Bible teacher says, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Paul, Paul spent years learning doctrine before he did any of that. You can't go out and do that. You've got to learn your Bibles. What's the point in telling people about Jesus and getting them saved if they don't know sound doctrine? And that's what the theologians go, I can't believe it. You're all so shallow. You need to go to Bible college first. Then the pastor's saying, can you stop winning people to Christ? Because all these people, they're broken and damaged. And, and, they, and they've got to get healed up. And I can't, you, you've got to stop it. All this chat about this, that, and the other. And we've got to have proper policies and procedures put in place. And then the finance person saying, how do you expect us to pay for all of this? We can't pay for all of this. We need, we need to get the offerings up. We can't do this. Then the administrator is saying, can I, can I, hold on, hold on. Can I see some risk assessments for this street evangelism you do? More about your safeguarding procedures. Everyone, everyone's like this. Because they've all got different passions. And within all of that, the pioneer has completely ignored all of that that's already going on in the background. They're thinking, I think I've taken Chesterfield. Now let's go to Madrid. <laughs> I've done that. Because they're looking over the horizon all the time. They can't help themselves. What a pioneer's job, because we are focusing on that. I think pioneers are, are agitators. They're catalysts. They provoke and they disturb. And they're always looking over the horizon. So, for example, take someone like Wesley. Wesley was 35 years old when he got properly converted to Christ. He'd already been doing a bunch of stuff here and there, but he was 35 and he got properly converted to Christ and almost immediately got a horse and over a number of years rode 250,000 miles on his horse and preached in excess of, I think it was something like 40,000 sermons. I suspect he had more than one horse, but he preached 40,000 servants, writing them from the saddle, 250,000 miles. And wherever you go around the country, what do you see? Methodist chapels. He had a team of rough riders who used to go out and do that with him. They were pioneers. And they got stoned and beaten and chased out of towns, but he kept going. He, he actually, what people often don't know, is he actually stayed in the Anglican church the whole time he was uh, founding the Methodist movement because he felt like he wanted to change the Anglican church from within. So he was always an Anglican priest, but he was so annoying and so challenging uh, as a preacher that he got banned from going into certain parishes. Some Church of England churches banned him. 
but even his gospel preaching wasn't enough. Wesley actually wrote a book for the cure of every ailment known to man. And he wasn't even a doctor. He was going around looking at the poor thinking, I need to get him better medical treatment. So he wrote uh, the, the Wesley Physic, which I've actually seen a copy of, an original copy in London. And it was actually a cure for every known ailment. And apparently no one ever died from his treatment, so that's probably going to be contested. Uh, he also set up schools and orphanages and all kinds of stuff. He was absolutely amazing. Look at Methodism now. Terminal decline. There's a big chapel sell-off. I've got mates who are Methodist ministers, beautiful people of God. But their movement is, is dying under their feet. I, I spoke to the treasurer of one established denomination, actually, in terminal decline with an amazing history like Methodism, but it wasn't Methodism. I won't say which one. And I said to the Oval Treasurer of the denomination, what's your financial strategy at the moment? And he said, selling enough, off enough buildings to pay the pensions of retiring leaders before the whole thing collapses. And th this denomination I'm talking about was uh, one that was rampant, like Methodism. Look at the Salvation Army and Booth. I've told you stories of Booth before. Booth is amazing. Early Salvation Army was incredible. Booth once spent his nearly entire budget buying up a quarter of the global stock of Ford Model T cars just so he could go on a drive around the country in them and preach in the back and gather the poor because they'd never seen a motor car before. I've told you that story before, some of you, but imagine that if I if I went over to, to Kirky, I said, oh, Kirky, I know we've got 100 grand in the bank, but actually I want to spend it on a 911 so I can drive around some poor estates and stand in the back and preach the gospel. I think I might get a little bit of a weird response to that one. But that was, that was, that was Booth and the Salvation Army. And look at the Salvation Army now. Same with the Southern Baptists in America, terminal decline. Oxford Diocese in the Church of England lost something like 50% of its congregations over the last 30 years, something like that. What happens is this. A pioneer births a movement. The movement becomes a museum and a museum becomes a mausoleum and just becomes a place where we remember what once was. Why does that happen? It happens because people lose their sense of pioneering, which is weird because the author and perfect of our faith went ahead of us. And by very nature, we are a pioneer. When you, all of you, when you were born again, your, your, not just your life changed, but your destiny changed. You, you were facing one way and now you're facing heaven and your whole life is now hidden in Christ. And it becomes about worshiping him and making him known and advancing and taking ground for Jesus. I believe new creativity is unleashed in us, even those who don't think they've got a creative bone in their body, because we serve a creator God. I think our passions change. I can remember when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't give a stuff about people at all. The day I gave my life to Christ, I wept when I realised that all the people I was driving past were God's kids, and they needed to know their father in heaven.
And immediately my brain started to think about how do I, how do I tell people? How do I tell people? Your life changes when you give your life to Christ. So what happens? I often tell this story called the cat and the rope. And forgive me if you've heard me say this before. But the story goes like this. Believe it to be a true story. 90% of the time, my stories are true every time. This story goes like this. Hundreds of years ago in Chesterfield, uh, a, a rector walked in to preach in a church. Can't remember which one. And he tripped over. As he tripped over, he fell and he dislocated his shoulder. He tripped over a cat. So the next week, the church warden, as the rector in his sling, went forward to preach the gospel. The warden, the church warden, saw a cat and he grabbed the cat and he got a slender piece of rope. He tied the rope around the cat's neck like a lead and tied the rope to a column in the church. The rector said, what are you doing that for? The warden said, to make sure you don't trip over the cat. And the rector said, thank you very much. Weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months go past. And every time the rector got up to preach, he'd get a piece of rope, he'd tie it around the cat's neck and uh, tie it to the column by the pulpit. And the rector was safe from tripping over the cat. This goes on for many years. Cat eventually dies. Uh, same old rector, new cat seen walking around. So the warden makes sure the cat is always tied. Whatever cat is there is always tied to a column before the rector preaches. It's now 2018 and the new young curate goes up to preach his first sermon. Hundreds of years have passed. And the warden grabs the curate by the shoulder. He says, don't go any further. We haven't tied up the cat. And the curate says, we haven't got a cat. He says, I just need to go and find one. And he disappears and he finds a cat out in a churchyard, brings it into the church, ties a rope around a cat's neck and ties it to a column. He said, what are you doing that for? He said, so you don't trip over it. He said, but it was outside. He went, yeah, I know, but that's what we've always done. Hundreds of years have gone past. And what was once a good, sensible thing to do has suddenly become religious tradition. And it's a stupid story, I know. But it's actually how movements grind to a halt and become monuments and mausoleums. That's what we've always done. This, this is the way we've always done it. This is why this particular season, although it's so tough, is actually a very helpful disruption to us. Because what it does do is this. It forces us to innovate. It forces us to think about what's really important. It forces us to keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith and not just on the things we once held dear. And like many of you, I've had to go through something of a grieving process too. But we're seeing an interesting thing happen at the moment across the country. What we're seeing is this. 
we're seeing people come to Christ who have never experienced a Sunday meeting, the Redeemer King Sunday meeting, full of life and full of hope and joy because of the beauty of what they've just discovered. And then there's people like me and others who've been going to church for many, many years, grieving what we've lost. And it's right that we do. But somehow these new followers of Christ also need to be a challenge to us. How do we keep pioneering? How do we keep creating and doing innovative things to win the most hurting, lost and broken? How do we stay on the front foot of God's purposes in this particular season? Knowing that actually we're all called to innovate, all called to be creative, and every single one of us has got a role to play. Whether big or small, or now, you know, the smallest thing that you do can actually have big impact on people's lives. The smallest gesture, the smallest little thing. Pioneers are really aggravating people because they're always trying to push the boundaries. I think what we need to do as churches is learn how to embrace the pioneers and the apostles, the small A apostles, and let them do their thing. Whilst also understanding that actually all of us, all of us need to keep on the front foot in terms of being creative for Jesus. I think Peter is an interesting example in scripture. You know, Peter, who was effectively the first pope, the first bishop of Rome. Peter, who denied Christ, is a very interesting character. When he's in the boat in Matthew 14, he is the first person to jump out and try and walk on water. When, when they rushed to the tomb later in John 20, Peter was the person who started running first. He's the impetuous pioneer. The others followed. I think if we could use the analogy of the boat, in any church, you've got jumpers and you've got rowers. You've got people who are going to jump and people who are going to frantically row to keep after them and sometimes try and row in the opposite direction because it looks so scary what they're trying to row towards. So sometimes you've got people rowing in different directions. It's just church life. You've got jumpers and you've got rowers. You've got people who are impetuous and people who are cautious. But within all of that, somehow we need to keep a smidgen in our hearts that actually where the pioneers are leading, where they're going, we've got to release them. And I, I said to our team when we first went into this seven months ago, this is the time for releasing people and just letting people do their thing. And I think we're seeing the fruit of that at the moment, actually. And we've got to try and keep in that place. So here's my question to you before we stop and get into communion. Where can we innovate right now? What can we pioneer? What is it you can do to help take ground in this season? What is it you can do in your families? Could you pioneer something new in your home? Maybe you've not been devoting time to praying together. Maybe there's some way of reaching out to your neighbours. Maybe there's some way we can help tackle loneliness down your street. I don't know. But is there some way that all of us can embrace the pioneer? And where in our hearts do we need to say, 
oh, do you know what? I know I've been a little bit neggy. Actually, maybe this is an opportunity for us to really stretch out now in this next four weeks. And rather have our heads down, keep our heads up and do something beautiful for Jesus. So I'm going to say, before we take communion, unmute yourselves and let's call out some suggestions of things that we can do or ideas that we've just had, bearing in mind what we just listened to. We're all part of the body. We've all got different gifts and skills. Within that, there are agitating, catalytic pioneers, but we all have stuff that we can do. And if any there was, if ever, ever there was a time when we needed to do something different and fresh and new, this is it. We don't just want to stay grumpy in our homes for the next four weeks, do we? No. We, we need to be better prepared this time. So unmute yourselves if you feel able to and uh, just, just have a little chit chat for five minutes and then I'll pray and then we can get our communion stuff. My tea's gone cold so I'm having a break so I can drink it. What do we think? Um, so uh, Carl, I've, been, I've had this thought for the last couple of weeks actually and you've given me the kick up the back to do it today. Um, so I'm going to do a flyer for all of our neighbours doors. We live in the other kind of gatekeepers to a, a new newish estate, and there's 50 houses. Um, so I'm going to put a thing through. I'm going to set up a, a neighbourhood WhatsApp group um, with a view to um, we're going to do a, a social quiz thing, I think, and, and then hopefully try and do something sort of Christmas outreachy. Oh, that's really cool. See exactly what I'm talking about. Fantastic, beautiful. You should know how that goes. Anyone else? Ideas for the church, your street, I, I, things I should be doing, whatever. Open to anything. It's funny that you've, I obviously didn't know what you were preaching on, um, but today me and Amy have announced that the 18th will be doing a devotional starting from Thursday on God's promises because we felt oh, it was cool. time to get in the real the positivity into the group rather than moaning that we're about to cancel our bonfire on Friday. <laughs> and that's it, where things, where things have to cancel, you just get on a fun trip for something else, don't you? There's so many good ideas happening in this church I had actually no idea about. That's it, actually <laughs> as it should be. Carl, I just, want to thank, I just want to thank you because what you've said this morning has really encouraged me um, with the ladies' ministry that I've just set up this last week. Great. Oh, um, yeah, I've seen it. So, thank you for that. No worries. Anyone else? Um, I was donated an absolute massive bag of um, wool the other day. Random colours, tons and tons and tons of it. No idea what I'm going to do with it. So decided that we're going to do some felting. I think we should do a like Christmas crafty Zoom felting thing. Bring back felting. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> all you need, I've got wool, I've got needles. It's all you need. Let's you know do what? it. You know what? Just a funny story. I was at a youth thingy speaking, and in a children's venue, they had someone with a felt ball doing a felt ball story. And I've not seen that <laughs> since like the 80s, you know. And it was strangely mesmerising. It's weird. It is weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, look, there's a felt camel and a felt yeah, palm there you tree. Go. It was awesome. 
We've just, we've literally just had a load of that stuff donated. <laughs> like, I've never seen it for years. Bring it back. Bring it back. And the bubble machine. What I'm trying to say to people is this. We don't want to become a monument or a mausoleum. We don't want to build traditions that kill us. We actually all got to be on the front foot of God's purposes and pioneer and innovate and create and do stuff. Even if though, even if it's in your family, these are helpful reset times for us. It might be you've never prayed with your kids. Well, here's a chance. Pioneer a new level of faith in your home. Might be you've never spoken to your neighbor. You can now go on, you can, under these new rules of house arrest, you can go for a walk with one other person. Invite them for a walk. Just pioneer something, try something new. Anyone say, else? Yeah, I'm trying to say that um, I, I'd like to feel more involved in what's happening in Chesterfield. Yeah. But being in Sheffield, you feel a little bit out of it. Yeah. Um, I'd like ideas on how we... Hmm? I'm saying your idea, we can't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this thing that Alice just said could be, it, there's, there's great potential to do stuff. We'll have a chat about that offline, Bob. But firstly, can I just say in front of everyone again, it's so good to see your face, brother. <laughs> yes, it really is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, we were proper worried about you. Um, thanks, Bob. Take that on board. Yeah, we want to we want to do something in our close about Christmas carols because I'm fed up of not being hearing Christmas music around and and all this not being able to sing. So um, Kathleen and I are going to close off our close on Christmas Eve, and um, we've got a good relationship with all our neighbor neighbours here. So we're yeah. going to get Bluetooth in our car, put on the iPod, get the carols blazing out. Somebody's going to be in a red suit, and we're going to get the carols blazing okay. round, and um, yeah. we're going to have a good old Christmas mince pies round the neighbours, mulled and wine and songs, and that's going to be, uh, Billy Close is going to have Christmas. Brilliant. Oh, this is it. This is this is pioneering stuff amongst the family and, and into our neighbourhoods and into our homes. It's what it's all about, really. So come Fantastic. here Christmas Eve. So there you go. I might, I might sneak around the corner dressed as a reindeer. You never know. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking yeah. for an excuse to get me reindeer outfit out for years. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, right. So what we're going to do, we're going to stop recording and we're going to give it two minutes so that Karen can get upstairs with my communion stuff and so you can get your stuff. And then we're going to uh, continue with some communion.